You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the classic car show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. And good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in and it is time for the classic car show on America's Web Radio and we've got Jim Weber here at the round table and we've got a very special guest on. Um, I've I've gotten to know the lady over the last year or so and uh, we wanted to invite her back. We, We did a uh, Jim and I did a replay about uh, two or three weeks ago and, and reviewed some of the museums that we've talked to. But this one uh, is a very special museum in Ohio. And uh, one of the first interviews that we did well over a year ago now, Jim, if you can, if, if, can you remember? Alzheimer's let you remember a long time ago. It's yesterday that you had problems with, right? Where am I? Where are you? I don't know. <laughs> We're probably in. at least I didn't mess up the telephone call this. I, this I'm time. proud of you. Now I, just don't goof up the board. The board, well, I, you know, all fingers. But anyway, yep. we we have a young lady named Char Lotzenheiser, and that's the only time I'm going to say it. Lotzenheiser is just one of those that doesn't necessarily uh, roll off your tongue. So we're going to call her Char. I think that's uh, that's an AKA, but uh, we'll, we'll stick with it. And um, we caught Char up in the attic the other day, and uh, we we don't know what exactly she was doing in the attic. And I'm 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 too much of a gentleman to ask, so we'll just sort of leave it at that. But we're delighted to have her on. She is the um, boss lady of the Cla- the Canton Classic Car Museum in Canton, Ohio, and um, she is. If people don't know Char, she is very, uh, very prominent and well known throughout the classic car industry, and and a good example of what we've been trying to do over the literally the past. You realize this, Jim? Ten years that we've been doing this over ten years now. Wow! And that's to keep the interest that old folks like us we have the interest in classic cars, but we're trying to keep the interest uh, going to the. Uh, the thumb players that are sitting on the couch and all they can do is play with their thumbs. That's called the Xbox generation. Is that the Xbox generation? Yes. I get them all, you know, <laughs> I know I'm a baby boomer and I still do that late at night, but uh, uh, I'm too old to be one of those. Oh, okay. But anyway, so we're uh, we're doing our thing and we've got Char on the phone. Char, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm awesome, and I don't even know where to begin after that introduction. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you can you can say excuse me and hang up. <laughs> no, 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 don't, no, because then I'm stuck with him, Char. Well, oh, sorry, Jim, I won't do that. Well, first of all, when when my husband said Watsonheiser, I thought he said Rockefeller, so you know that was all easier. Now, the preacher what, what? went ahead and said Watsonheiser. I'm like, what? Yeah. So you know that was that was 34 years ago, so it sort of rolled off my tongue and a little bit easier now. Wonderful, uh, wonderful. And uh, I hope I didn't mess it up. About, no, no, you, you said it brilliantly. And uh, I appreciate the accolades uh, about uh, me and the museum, but really the star of everything is the Canton Classic Car Museum. And uh, <clears throat> as I told you before, and I'll reiterate this, um, I've been there 30 years. It will be 30 years. And for those of you that we don't have, you know, uh, Skyping here or, or any kind of visual thing, I was five when I started. And so uh, we're going to stick with that number right there. And you can Beautiful. figure out that. Well, we have we have proof of it. We have your yeah. we have your website on uh, on streaming right now. And if people go to uh, 
contact okay. us. There you are in a convertible. There? And, uh, I am. What am I sitting in? You're sitting in... Uh, I can't see it car. from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're sitting it's a 1937 the... supercharged 812 Corsa. Oh, oh okay. my. Oh, yeah. Does that make oh. the heart skip a beat? It, it looks oh, like you're about... Uh, I think you're in this picture you're at least uh, 25, 26 maybe. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Da- we'll, David's, we'll stick with that. Though. David's a smoothie. Yeah. Um, he is, he is. Let's, uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you for giving me a little report ahead of time. My uh, colleague Steve Ronaldo is on the Founders Tour, and uh, I believe you mentioned they were on the Lincoln Highway yesterday. They were. They were on uh, an extension of the Lincoln. They weren't on the highway, the by- byway, but uh, okay. a friend of mine called, actually, you know, from Pennsylvania, Pat Swiger from the Swiger uh, Museum. That's, oh, oh wow. Yeah. 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 Did, did, did she say how much fun she <laughs> anyway, had being interviewed by us? Yeah. We're kind of yeah, sweet on her, so. Yeah, well, we had, uh, they were having a great time, and, and it's something that, uh, you know, it's, it's a great thing for the ACA to have uh, going on, and it's just a, a fun time for everyone, and, and really enjoyable. And last year, they came through Canton, so that was uh, really fun for me too, because I don't get the opportunity to do do a lot of those just due to my work schedule. But uh, sure. but I'm thrilled when people come to see me at the Canton Classic Car Museum. And uh, a little history about us is uh, we were established in 1978 uh, by a, uh, a private family, and uh, he was a great car guy. Had a couple hundred cars, didn't know where to put them, and uh, he decided that the building we had was very historically significant. So we opened with about 40 cars and nothing else. And over the years, his wife has collected and put in memorabilia, nostalgia, antiques. And you can't even imagine how much stuff is in our museum. So we are so much more than a car museum. Although there's nothing wrong with being a car museum. Being a car guy myself from the time I was a little girl, um, there's nothing wrong with that. But we can um, appeal to the masses. I like to tell people, and it's a little cliche, but it really is a stroll down memory lane. I mean, even the little kids see stuff that they had. We have the, uh, the cars toys from the movie Cars, and so they'll say, oh, look, Mommy, but uh, um, no matter what age you are, you will see things you had, your grandparents had, um, all of our toys are being called antiques, I can assure you of that, but uh, there's something there for everyone, along with some great classic cars, and, and our building was built in 1900, so it's it's got that great ambiance of just that feel of, of nostalgia itself, because it was, in fact, gentlemen, uh, the largest Ford dealership in the country from 1914 till 1931. Wow! Two local, yes, two local men, uh, George Monnet and Joseph Soccer, good credit for credits due, actually had a bicycle repairing shop two blocks north of me, and then decided to build this building that I'm in, the largest brick, concrete, and steel building in Canton, and uh, to build bicycles, pretty large building, uh, but they decided to be smart uh, in Canton, Ohio. Now, where am I calling? Where are you guys at? Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, we're down. Yeah. We're down south. You don't see the kind of snow that we see, but in Ohio, in an open air touring car, you wouldn't have done much driving in the middle of winter. So, Mr. Monnet had the brilliant vision to rent spaces to people in Canton who could store their cars, who otherwise couldn't have had a place to put them. No garages. You know, we didn't have garages as we know them today. Beautiful. So he made a lot of money. And by 1912, those rumors, and we're going to say briefly, I'll tack on to this. About uh, from two men, Carl Fisher, the founder of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and Henry B. Joy, who was the president of the Packard Motor Car Company, had the vision to start the first coast-to-coast paved highway in the United States called, say it with me, boys, the Lincoln, the Lincoln Highway. The Lincoln Highway. It starts in downtown New York City, comes down right through the middle of Canton, Ohio, and if you stay on that road, you'll end up in Lincoln Park, San Francisco. And uh, so with that vision, George Monnet, who uh, built the building I'm in, 
decided that it was it was going to be if that road did in fact come to fruition it was going to be six blocks north of the building that i'm in and in fact it did so in 1914 as that road came through canton ohio george monnet had the vision to turn my building into a 24-hour service repair garage wow talk about genius in 1914 yes he also had curbside service so and then he decided to ask henry ford can I assemble cars upstairs? I can't afford them. If you send me the parts, I'll take care of all that for you. And Henry agreed. Wow. So in the upstairs of my building, he assembled Model Ts and then sold them out in the front, which is where his showroom was. So, genius. The whole thing is brilliant if you look at the whole concept of it, especially in the time period that it was taking place. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just the birth of the industry. And, it uh, was. Yeah, and It was, truly. And he capitalized on all of that. He understood that people were going to come now on that highway for... Um, hotels and motels and, and, you know, restaurants and vacations as we know them. I mean, prior to that, sure. where'd you go? You couldn't travel. Look, road conditions, automobiles, you know, not real reliable. And right. now we're coming on the scene with the Model Ts and, and all the other automobiles of the great men of those of that time period. Char, know, let, let, me ask, let me ask you, do you see any of that? today at all in what you because what you and i and i keep coming back and jim and i've talked about this thousands of times probably about the fact that the industry is so much difference and you 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 sit there and you mar i I can't help but marvel at the history of the automobile today it's the cad system you do a drawing you throw it through the 3d thing and all of a sudden you got a part or you got a whole car you know it's just crazy but do you see any of that today? And also, with that question, how uh, do you think the people that come and visit the museum, the kids particularly, and, and we, we we reach out to them just with both hands and feet mm-hmm. to see the importance of what happened back with Henry Ford and the turn of the sand, how important the car has been to the United States, particularly more so than any other area in the world. Well, I, you know, I, I too, uh, wish that the, the youth uh, would be a little more embraced, but the problem is it doesn't trickle down. My car enthusiasm, my car guy status trickled down from my father. You know, my father was a, a big car guy, and, of course, on Sunday afternoons after church, we'd go to the car lot, and he'd quiz me as to what was happening, what changed. He'd tell me all this, uh, you know, those kind of things. We sat on Sunday afternoons watching stock car races, you know, at that time, I, I felt that every little girl sat on their daddy's lap watching races and eating, you know, um, <laughs> s- sardines. And so, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Were you I drinking a beer, like, too? <laughs> no, no beer, just sardines. And he did Limburger cheese, but I wasn't going to go to that oh, route. Wow. Tiny girl. But, you know, I, I mean, it was that passion. And I don't, and I'm, I'm hoping that the generation, a couple generations beyond us, that that passion comes back to trickle down. Um, I think. I wish more was taught in school about this, the significance of, and I'm not going to diss that other highway with those two digits, but my passion, because it goes right past my building practically, is the Lincoln, because it is the oldest, 1913, and it was the longest, 3,389 miles. So I wish in the school systems that they would they would embrace these kind of things to show children what's, how did it all start, where did it begin, cars weren't always here, we didn't drop a little magic pill, put water on it, and boom, it was there. And, you know, you don't have to have something electronic, like, you know, my husband just got a new truck, and it's got all the bells and whistles, and it can, you know, he's just all excited. And so even our generations get excited over technology. But the beginnings of it is where the real passion should be, that this came from nothing. Where did all this come from? There was nothing prior to this. And now look what, you know, look what these men of this industry did. And we could name thousands of these men who were instrumental in this, not, you know, not just some of the bigger names. Um, 
I see children coming in and, and they're intrigued. You know, do they understand quite yet? Probably not. So that, that calls upon parents and grandparents and, and you know, other people of, of those generations to get those kids inside, excited. And like I said, I wish in school they taught a little more and uh, about this kind of uh, industry because it's significant. Without, where would we be without the automobile? Sure. You, you know, I mean... You, you, just, you just said something that I, this question has never been asked, I don't think, in all these years. Uh, yeah. You just said something. The men of the time... Are there any notable mm-hmm. women in the auto industry? <laughs> well, you've got I, uh, besides yourself, obviously. <laughs> well, we're don't forget back Pat Swigert and from Pat the Swiger. era yeah. of cars. You had no anyone significantly working on automobiles, designing automobiles were not permitted in those closed office doors of, of all those very... God, the, back then they were uh, smart, weren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Um, you know, I think there were controversial... You know, like Alice Ramsey, you know, Alice's Drive. You know, I mean, they did things. They wanted to be a part of the industry. They wanted to, you know... You see Clara Ford in an automobile many times. You know, she drove. Uh, but to, to give any... And in fact, you know, I mean, we'll back up and, and say that Henry did give Clara a lot of credit. Without her, her help and her kitchen seat, he would have never developed and perfected the first gasoline-powered engine. So boys work with me here. It's because of women that we drive. Well, she, so, she was I'm the one that go. chose the color, right? Yeah. yeah. Black, well, black, or black? They, well, you know what? Black wasn't until 1914. Huh. Prior to that, those cars came in navy blue, dark green, and red. So that wasn't until later on after the assembly line started moving along and Henry saw the amount of monies that could be generated. But, sure. Okay, I, that's, that's the, but, I, I, but, wait a know, second. I hate I, to interrupt yeah. you, but... We've got to take a break. I don't know if you remember the... station break. Yeah, every, every 15 <laughs> minutes we do it, whether Jim likes it or not. So we're, we're going to continue I this. I can sing for you. <laughs> we're we're going to continue this right My after this. My very old Oldsmobile. Can I... <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Right. We'll be back. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show, and we have a very special guest, uh, Shar from the Canton Classic Car Museum. And uh, Shar, you were going through um, the, the talking about women that had been involved in the industry, and you know, we were talking about uh, uh, Henry Ford's wife and uh, some others. I don't want to dwell on off the subject 
topics particularly because I want to talk about your museum and if you want to finish up your where you were going with the ladies in the industry and then we'll start talking about uh, the Canton Museum. Well, with that being said, I will I will wrap it up. I don't think women were very public, but I think they were very powerful. Um, I think they were very supportive, and I think they had a lot of insight. They just weren't given recognition just due to the fact that that's the times that we lived in. Um, so with that being said, I'm sure there were a lot of silent partners that took a lot more of the forerunning than what we could ever realize, unless history reveals that. So uh, with that being said, for the to the women who are in this industry now, it's a, it's a lot of women, much more than when I started as well, even at, even in museum um uh, directors. Oh, there are a number of, of women curators. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. There are a lot, yeah. lot of women directors at, at museums. And in fact, uh, fortunately for me, they're, they're friends of mine, and I'm very I'm very fortunate to have those women as, as colleagues in this profession. So, Great. Yeah, and I agree with you. You're, you're 100% right on that. Um, let's talk about your museum. You opened it in, ni- in 1978. 1978. Okay. A long time ago, 37 years. Wow. Now, today, let's let's talk today. Let's say I show up at your front door. Well, you know, it, we are we are that ma and pa museum um, that I teach taught my children about years and years ago. Um, it's just that warm, fuzzy feeling when you walk in. The first thing my curator will say is, welcome, and how'd you hear about us, and where are you from? And we want to know where everyone's from all over the country, all over the United States, and all over the world. I mean, we have people last week traveling to Lincoln uh, from England and um, people from Norway traveling to Lincoln. So we're very fortunate. We have people from all over the world. And, and it's just that, come on in. Um, there, you, you can sit down and do a puzzle. You know, we have people that sit there for hours after they get done touring the museum and do puzzles with us. So um, you walk in the door and you see stuff, which is the first thing you see. Uh, above your head, you'll see bird cages, which, of course, is in tribute to the uh Pierce Arrow Company uh, from Buffalo. They actually were a birdcage company prior to uh, automobile. And so, and then you walk in and you start seeing some older things. You see a 1901 curved dash Olds, which uh, is just great. And so, the little side note, if you boys don't know, that uh, Mr. Olds, Ransom E. Olds, was from Geneva, Ohio, before he went to Lansing, Michigan. Oh. So, uh, yes. yes. Well, that, that's in case you go on a game show, you'll know that. Well, uh, and then you travel through the museum, and we don't have anything in really sequential order. We've tried to put them in rooms, but we've added more things. But one of our significant cars, uh, because of Canton's reputation, you know we have a reputation in Canton, Ohio? No. Uh, we're called Little Chicago, and for very good reason. That Lincoln Highway helped us get that reputation. Oh, I thought it was, it was the mafia or something. <laughs> oh, well, it is, but it, well, yes, because it was easier to get in and easier to get out of that town because of that Lincoln Highway. So it brought a lot of colorful characters, and we could have another whole radio show on that whole story about <laughs> about all of that. But, uh, in fact, um, we have a, a bulletproof car, a 37 Studebaker, which is just amazing. Um, she's called the Flying Squadron, but I have affectionately, and they've deemed her the band car over the years, 3,000 pounds of 10-gauged armored plating, bullet-resistant inner tubing, two motor roller radios in the trunk, uh, the windows are one and one-eighth inches thick with gun ports to shoot out of. It's just a magnificent piece of Whoa. Canton history. Where did you so, get um, that? The Canton Police Department. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do they know it? Um, they do, and they like it. In fact, I took it out last two weeks ago, Friday, to uh, a policeman's uh, event, uh, uh, benefit golf outing and uh they they just marvel because you know some of the younger cops are just like really so it's, it's pretty it's a pretty Jeepers. neat thing it's, it's really iconic and and uh an eye catcher and trust me people want to see it uh in fact i um 
Uh, I, have, I have actually plastic guns that I play around with, but, you know, that's pretty dangerous anymore. I try to, I ask my tours when they come in, is anybody packing? Because I'm afraid that if I pull one out, somebody else will too. Uh, <laughs> it's just a great car. And, and as you travel to the museum, uh, we've got a mag- another magnificent automobile. We actually have a little dioramas. We have a funeral parlor. And it's one of my favorite areas, um, not because I'm morbid, but just picture this little funeral parlor. Uh, in between it are a pair of 37 Packards, which, uh, as I noted, uh, were built originally in Ohio, in Warren, Ohio, and moving to Detroit uh, three years later after 1899 when they first started their, their company. But they're professional cars. It's a hearse, a 1937 hearse, uh, 12-cylinder, and a 1937 flower car. And in that funeral parlor area, there's cute little signs. One says, dead end. Oh, <laughs> and no. Hemlock <laughs> Road. So you, you can look everywhere and just snicker. I mean, the museum makes you smile. And then you go, you're smiling, you see dead end, please remove your clothes, Hemlock Boulevard, and then you look over and see this magnificent, magnificent hearse with the back being all hand-carved mahogany to resemble curtain panels. And then you do the, <gasps> so I hear giggle, giggle, and that gasp of, <gasps> so it's just, you know, a great emotional place oh, for you. Um, in fact, I like to tease the kids. I, the door squeaks, so I, I open it, and, you know, they're always very good after, after the squeak of the door. Cause it's good heavens. Pretty, pretty ominous. So. Uh, and then you segue into uh, the original showroom of our dealership. Um, beautiful. It was beautiful at one time. We have photographs of the building, and uh, we've got some great newer cars. You know, um, just because the car is old doesn't mean it's valuable. I mean, newer cars, and I'm talking 70s, 69s, of course, uh, have gained in price, cost, and popularity, and we've got a 70 Plymouth Superbird in there. Wow. You know, just, just a great history. And, and, you know, I love to talk to kids about aerodynamics of automobiles. You know, they don't really know what that means, but then we start talking about airplanes and the aerodynamic design of the of the spoiler on the back of the, of the Plymouth, you know, and who they designed it for, Richard Petty, of course, and they don't know who that is. But, you know, if you try to engage kids and hit their hot spots, because of the movie Cars has made that much more desirable for children. Oh, look, the king, you know. So that movie in itself has, has, has did a lot for our industry. You yes. Know, it opened yes. the eyes of children who otherwise, well, first now they think cars talk, which I've always thought they did. So, you know, that just sort of verified what I've thought for all these years. Well, yeah, whenever, I, whenever my car talked to me, it meant trouble. <laughs> <laughs> something, and, something was broken. oil in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Battery almost dead, yeah. But, you know, that movie really did help because, you know, it gave cars, um, not just personalities, it, it gave them some interest to children. And hopefully we've, we've gained a little bit more in the industry from, from, the, from those children than what we otherwise would have had. So, um, and then we've got, you know, of course, uh, we've got a 65 Mustang, you know, which mm-hmm. how can you not see a Mustang for people? An amphibious car, um, you know, and then we trail around the side. And, and as we're going through, you know, you're seeing stuff. I mean, just uh, Burma-shaped signs, and, you know, we've got a stand-up of, uh, well, this is pretty funny, we've got a stand-up of Marilyn Monroe, a cardboard cutout. When I first started the museum, you know, all those years ago, the kids would go past her, and I hear them very quietly say, oh, look, Madonna. And then several (laughs) years later, as they went past stand-up, they said, oh, look, Christina Aguilera. And then uh, recently, I would hear kids say, oh, look, uh, Lady Gaga. So, you know, Marilyn transcends all those generations. heavens, yes. (laughs) It's it's pretty interesting. Are you all still taking in cars now, or or strictly staying with what you've got? No, no, no. Um, We just got a new 1916 Simplex crane. And if you're not familiar with that, they're in Long Island City, New York. And um, just a magnificent representation of original automobile. It's all original with the exception of six little things. And it's just, it's, it's huge. You know, you don't expect automobiles. When you think of that era, a lot of times people think little tiny, you know, 
um, smaller cars, but it, it, it reminds me more of, of the size of a steam, like a white steam, you know, a bigger automobile. Uh, very, yeah. um, it has a presence to it, and it has a bullet hole in the back, which I find very, <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> Good, yeah, and I'd love to know the history of that. Yeah. What so. body is on the car, Char? You know, I'm not real sure. We just pulled it in, and I haven't done much research on it. I sort of got her in, got her situated, and put a sign up and really uh, didn't see who, who the coach company was. I'm not how'd sure, you, to be candid uh, with you. How'd you find it, as rare as they are? Well, um, and I think there was a, a, an auction that our, the owner of the museum uh, had, had gone to. And just, okay, you know, all right. Just the originality of that, so... You know, and you know, just looking at the rest of the stuff in the museum, there's just you know, um, we've got a '47 Cadillac limousine, which was owned by the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, to know that the Broadmoor Hotel had the vision to think about tourism, even you know, I mean, people were traveling, of course, in the in the late '40s, but they bought 49 of these particular 12 passenger Cadillacs from the Gray Line Bus Company to use to travel tourists up and down Pikes Peak. So now, once again, the automobile is so instrumental in in all of this you know, in the significant um, tourism industry of a hotel uh, right. in Colorado. So, Again, you so you, you uh, spurred a question in mentioning the owner. Obviously, the owner is is, is astute in the in the hobby and in the in the business, and you all must work very closely together as, I believe you said she. Um, well, uh, no, um, actually it was started... Uh, Actually, in 1978, by the late Marshall Belden, and, and uh, Marsh had an oil and gas company. Uh, he was a big car enthusiast, loved automobiles, bought cars all over, drove them, worked on them. Uh, and then he passed in 97. His wife was the one that did all of the antiques and memorabilia. She's also gone now. Uh, but uh, one of the older sons uh, does have a passion for, for automobiles oh, okay. and an interest in a, and a love. So he uh, he is looking. You know, we've pulled in about four cars yesterday. Wow. Um, and... Um, they won't be in the museum for a very, very long time. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so uh, it's very depends on how fast our mechanics work. <laughs> do, you, do you all do your own restoration, or or do you, find, you know, try to find cars that don't need restoration? Well, both. Um, when I first started there, we had a full full staff of. Everyone. I mean, we did everything from headliners to woodworking to everything. But once again, that industry and that has not trickled down. You know, the craftsmanship that you see with that, uh, the, the broiled walnut and, and the mahogany, um, the interior, the dashboard, it's gone. You know, you, they didn't pass that down to future generations. So uh, we no longer have anyone to do that. So we do have to farm some stuff out. But uh, we have engine guys and, and mechanics, and they do some minor stuff. We had painters for a while, and I don't know if we're doing our, some of our own painting again. So um, we try to keep it on site, but sometimes it's impossible. We can't. We don't chrome. You know, we don't do that kind of stuff. So, but no, the cars that are that are coming in, mm, no, not so much. Are they going to be in the museum for a while? But the Simplex, you know, that's the most recent one that was purchased that came right in. Now, and, uh, if uh, Jim's colleague was here, Mr. Rinaldo, and he does make me call him Mr. Rinaldo, but uh, <laughs> anyway, if, if he, if he, oh yeah, yeah, I'm bow and all that <laughs> stuff. But if he were here, he would ask the question. I know. Do you all? Do you? And the others that work with you take the cars out and exercise them, or are they strictly uh, there and in place? No, as I mentioned previously, I took the um, myself and one of the mechanics took the uh, bandit car, the police car, out uh, two weeks ago Friday, and then uh, we have a St. Louis uh, that's actually on loan from the Timken Company. A little plug for the uh, Timken Roller Bearing Company. He took that out. It actually went to Detroit to uh, Green Village to the to the show up there. 
so yeah, they do get exercise when we have time. It's just always time restraints, and and we have local car shows that we've taken uh, quite a few too, you know, if if time permits for all of us and to get them out. And, uh, yeah, we like to. They need exercise. You know, my theory is they have four wheels for a reason. That's and right. They need to get out of them. They need to be driven. I don't care what cost they are. I don't care what price. I don't care if it's a, you know, a very limited price car or something that's off the charts. They still have four wheels. We're and, gonna. You know, We're going to let people think about that statement as we take our uh, second break. We'll be back on the Classic Car Show featuring the star Shar from the Canton Classic Car Museum. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, Just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, Consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show starring Char. I, I, that sort of rhymes, doesn't it? I, Rockefeller. Char Char Rockefeller. Rockefeller. It, 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 rhymes, it rhymes with car, really. Is yes, that's it. It does. Yeah. Your parents did that on purpose, I thought. Uh, they did. They did. Actually, it was named after my grandpa, Charlie, so they just took off the OIE. So, but, uh, wow. He was a car guy, too. His, in fact, my... He had a 1928 Durant, and when my dad was a little boy, he would pop the windshield open and drive all over Gainesville, Georgia, which is a little plug down there. That's where my dad's from. All right. So, uh, That's just up the road yeah, a piece from us. Yeah. And my mama was born in Jefferson, and my grandmother was born in Dahlonega. Okay, and we could talk about their cars. In fact, my grandmother had her first car in 1911, and she always used to tell me she'd rather crank her car, uh, crank her mule than her car any day. <laughs> so that's how difficult driving was for uh, women. Yes. Uh, you know, difficult, difficult task. So, uh, but trust me, my grandmother was one of those women out there in her automobile without her husband, probably Good. fixing it and changing those tires Good down there her. in Dahlonega. You know, yeah. if I heard it once, and I, I think I've related this, uh, but I heard it a, a thousand times from my dad, and, and we couldn't, you know, I couldn't even feature this. 
But um, he was cranking, I don't even know what it was, but whatever it was that he was cranking, uh, and people don't realize how dangerous that was. If you didn't, oh, if you didn't release that crank, and, and he, yeah. he got caught and it broke yeah. his wrist. Sure. As I was say, broke your arm, broke the wrist, broke your jaw. Yeah. 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 yeah there were a lot, a lot of major accidents with those. And you I know, tell you, you know, when children come in, I do. We have a, a car, a twenty-six Model T racer that uh, the the crank isn't fiction, functional. We've taken it off, and it just goes around and around. So there's no chance of that happening. Uh, but I let them crank that, and I said, let's picture how many times you have to do this, and then it's tight. You know, and I explain the whole situation, and they're like, they're looking at me like seriously, because then we talk about, you know, I have a, I, I show them a box of things, and I hold up a key, and, a, and in a couple years, they're not even know what that key's for. Exactly. Yeah, you know, because there's yeah. push. So you know, talk about just all kinds of things. You know, uh, they take windshield wipers for granted. You know, well, just all kinds of things. So you know, to engage the youth uh, is is something that um, you have to make it interesting. And when I speak at schools. You know, that's what you have to do. You have to excite them. And I think I think we're well on our way. And I think if all the museums and men like you two, um, if we continue to, to build on this, I, I think those generations are, are they're eager. They're eager because it is history. Well, and, uh, and even this- though we've technologically advanced with, like you talked about, the computer screens and the LEDs and all this kind of stuff in our cars with the GPSs that are built in, integrated, and the phone voice activated, the bottom line is it all came from somewhere. And some of those beginnings are just astounding. You know, and so well, you know. it, it, the amazing thing is window cranks. Yes, and yeah. manual transmissions are going away. Right, right. All, all yeah. that. Let's say, let's say the word carburetor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, no. say what? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, you, you know, know that, this is one thing that we now we I bet we've got something on Shar that she'll be one of the one of the few that that didn't do this, but uh, Steve and Jim and I. And most of the many, or I shouldn't say most, but many of the the men curators, directors that we interview, we always have something in common, and that is that we all worked at gas station, filling stations, they were called by then. Filling stations. Yes. Now, did you work at a filling station, Sean? Well, do you think I've been allowed to work at a filling station? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, I did not work. Many of my father's friends owned filling stations, and I will tell you that my favorite gasoline was Sinclair because I'm like Dino the Dinosaur. Certainly, (laughs) yes. Yes. yes, yes. I could tell you lots of story about, about that, which we don't have. You got If we could be here until tomorrow, I could talk till tomorrow. But we won't go about my Sinclair Dino dinosaur story. You have to come yeah. to the museum and let me give you a tour. What about what about the Sinclair. tiger in your tank? <laughs> the tiger in my tank. Well, of course. You know, and I told you I followed racing. You know, I mean, with right. my daddy. You know, I mean, I used to. My first race was when I was three years old. I went to Bristol, Tennessee, and it was the, truly the good old boys. That passion where you could feel those engines. You know, it wasn't racing of today. Uh, but, you know, we ended up having breakfast with uh, Kale Yarborough, uh, A.J. Foy, Elmo Langley, mm. uh, Richard Petty, and uh, Davy and Bobby Allison that yeah. morning. Elmo Langley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know who Elmo Langley is? Yes. People don't know who that is. I know who Cotton that's Owens that. is. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, the, that passion, and, and that's what I hope, you know, these generations find a passion. You know, um, just find something to, to engage these people. I see the kids light up. I see adults light up. They look at these cars and they're like, oh, you know. Sure. Um, they they just there's there's interest and there's history. We just have to we just have to continue that. And, and I'm thrilled that I've been able to be a part of this industry of, of my passion. Most people don't say that they can they work their passion, and but I do. In fact, um, we were talking on the break. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm so passionate about automobiles. And wouldn't you know, I married a man who doesn't like cars. Does that not work? I told you. I thought he said his name was Rockefeller. Oh. So that's how that happened. But anyway. <laughs> well. 
I, I married to a woman that doesn't like cars. So. Well, that's more normal. But uh, my husband, who, God bless him, whose name is Gene, um, it took us a long time to have kids. A uh, long time. Almost 14 years to have children. And uh, when I found out I had, was expecting, I'd actually been at the another one of my favorite museums, the ACD, also known as the Auburn Court Duesenberg. Yes. And so when I found out I was expecting, I told my husband, Gene, which is one of my favorite cars, domestic cars, is the Cord. And I said, Gene, if we have a boy, can we name him Cord? And he said, no, they'll climb umbilical extension. So I'll tell you, I named both my boys after cars. Okay, tell and, us. Uh, he didn't know it. He didn't know it. <laughs> well, uh, I have a whole story, which I said, you're going to have to come to the museum to hear the whole story. I won't bore your audience with my story about why I named my son I did. Um, I told Gene to choose the name because of our long last name. I said, pick a one syllable. Well, he did. He's going through the baby book, and he chose the name Cole, C-O-L-E. Right, well, yes. So he chose that name. I neglected to tell him that the Cole Arrow 8 was built in Indianapolis, Indiana, and my <laughs> son's little name is Aaron. And uh, four years later, we found out we were going to have another child, and when he chose the name Chase, I also neglected to tell him that the Chase was built in Syracuse, New York. Yep. So, uh, you know, I got two car names. He didn't know it, and life was good. <laughs> good. Good for you. Yeah. That... Um, let, let's talk a minute about schools. Do you get uh-huh. any children or any classes that come in and do a tour th- uh-huh. uh, with your school we do. system? And, and I, I give um, all these years. I've given ninety nine percent of the tours uh, at the museum. And as I was telling you, you have to engage them. You have to embrace them from the very beginning. And um, I bring out a box of stuff. It's Char's box of stuff. It actually says that on the side, and in it has a spark plug. Uh, you know, there's a key. Sure. There's a, uh, there are um, uh, cranks for windows. I noticed you mentioned uh, right. that, Jim, or David. And uh, there's windshield wipers, and there's a piece of tire. We talk about uh, Cyberling and Firestone, a piece of vulcanized rubber and wind and those kind of things. And so it's tangible. I have a steering wheel because on the first car that I show them, which is a 1901 curved dash, there's no steering wheel. There's a pillar. So we talk about, you know, what cars are lacking, what's not on this car, and now all of a sudden they're thinking, and they're putting themselves in this car, and they're holding the steering wheel thinking, what is that stick for? You know, so we talk about things like that. So if you embrace children and give them tangible things, which won't break, you know, I mean, they're good, and they're all sitting, they look at them, and I see them, you know, and I make them read. I have cl- I've, I've made little signs, and I pass them around, and so they're going to read to their peers about why they're holding this piece of rubber. Wow. About the tire. Well, you, and, I, and I look- find that let me ask you one question. Sure. How many people do you think have ever heard of Cyberling tires? I have. If you don't live in Ohio? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I grew up in the Midwest. You know, because we've, well, and because we've got the Stan Hewitt Mansion, you know, mm-hmm. 20 minutes from Canton. Right. Um, you know, probably not so much, you know, Harvey Firestone much more because sure. he was more integrated with Henry Ford, but not Frank Cyberling. Yeah. No, and we did, I do talk about him. You know, I talk about him. Well, and, and other people don't realize Charles Kettering lived in, in Dayton, Ohio, Correct. and he Dayton, developed Ohio, the sure. starter. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know, and you could go on and on and on, and it's mind-boggling, you know. And I, and I think when people aren't interested in cars, I always want to know why. How can you not be interested in something that's changed the course of history? And look at it for the big picture, you know. I'm not a car guy. And, you know, we don't say car gals. I don't think that will ever come around. I still call myself a car guy. Um, because I do, and it's okay. I'm sure. okay if you guys call me a car guy, because I am. You know, whatever it takes, I'm a car person. Right. And a passionate person about that. And and I hope 
I hope that people see that. When they come to the museum, I hope they see that, that my staff is passionate about visitors, that they really do care, that they talk, they want to know where you're from, they, they want you to enjoy the museum. The very last thing they say is, what was your favorite car? Mm-hmm. Or how'd you enjoy our little place? And, and that's just that warm, fuzzy of, you know, embracing you. Um, it's not mechanical. It's truly heartfelt. They want to know. Uh, and if there's something we can do to make it better, we want to know that, too. But uh, I think on the average over the years, we have such great, great visitors that come from all over and share their stories. And there's probably not one person, I don't care who you are, that can't come in our museum and, and tell us a story about their car or their grandpa's car. Or I remember when. Uh, and you don't have to be old to say I remember when. Uh, but they say those kind of things, and they always bring up those passionate things. You know, everyone can tell me, what was your first car you drove? What was the car you got your, on your first date with? What was the car you got married in? What was the car you had when you had your, brought your child home from the hospital? Those are passionate memories, and they're about automobiles. Yes. So everyone has that passion. If you start and start asking them questions about those, they're going to bring a smile to their face with every one of those questions that are asked, and it all involves an automobile. Do you do do you do a cars and coffee thing where the car guys you hang know, around? A lot of museums do, and we do not. And it's something, you know, I've thought about. We have a very small staff uh, at our museum now over the years. Uh, we've just sort of, you know, gotten down to our little family. Right. Uh, but it's something It's something I have. We are open seven days a week, ah. uh, like other museums, and we are open year-round. We do not close. We're uh, a lot of automobile industry uh, museums actually close for the winter. They're actually starting to close up in, in October, and they won't be open again until May. So unlike those, without with the exception of the West, you know they stay open. But I, sure. in Ohio, stay open um, all every every day of the year except the four major holidays. I'm closed. So, so wow. that tends to lend us to um, not having a lot of time to be right. you know dormant for for other activities. How many docents do you actually have in the museum? We actually have there's four. Four. Okay. Yeah. All and right. And a couple of volunteers. So uh, a Excellent. small staff, but. But a warm and fuzzy staff. Yeah. And, and you have <laughs> they embrace you. You have how many cars actually physically on display right now? Uh, let's see. Um, I think there are forty-two okay. on display right now. And the oldest, as you said, was the uh, curved dash. Curved dash. And the newest mm-hmm. is probably the Superbird. It is. It is. Yeah. And that's a nice, you know, a nice uh, car to look at. It's, you know, of course, it's it's Hemi orange. Not a Hemi. That's a three. It's a four forty six pack, which is fine. Um, oh. uh, my nickname. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to ask you boys a question. I had had a lead foot my whole entire life from the time I got my first tricycle. So, with that being said, my father had a nickname for me, and I'm named after a man. He was from Wauseon, Ohio, and his name is Parnelli. Smoked stoky. Oh, oh Barney Oldfield. <laughs> Barney Oldfield, yeah. Yeah, so like when the cops would pull you over, they'd say, who do you think you are, Barney Oldfield? Yeah. So from the time I got my first tricycle, uh, I, I've been called <laughs> yeah. Barney. And so uh, in fact, I got, my first, I got my first speeding ticket, and I thought I was 20, well, I was older, 29. <laughs> and my dad, I told my dad I was really proud, and my dad said, I said, Daddy, I got my first ticket. Look how old I was. He said, that's because I couldn't catch you. <laughs> I actually, wait, I actually had a cop tell me one time, a state highway patrolman, lady, you don't need an expressway, you need a landing strip. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I calmed out a little bit, but I oh, made Barney Oldfield proud. In fact, I have a sign in my office that says, "Who do you think you are, Barney Oldfield?" And yeah, honestly, yeah. obviously, t- I did. And today, of course, it's who do you think you are, Mario Andretti? Yeah, well, yeah. that's even dating you. Oh well, I call my daughter Parnelli, and <laughs> Parnelli uh, Robert. Yeah, uh, um, the, the, and she she has a lead foot. I call her Danica. 
Uh, no. I'd, li- I'd like to call Danica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not going there. No. No, we're done. no David's going to be <laughs> confused the rest of the day. <laughs> and we got to take a break on top of it all. Yeah, so, we'll uh, be right back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And I don't know about everybody else, but Jim, I'm having a wonderful time talking to Shar. And, and, Me too. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like walking. That's what's neat about this show. Everything, anybody we talk to, it's like walking down memory lane. And uh, for all of us, we have, we have something in common. And they're all different, yet the same when yeah. you think about it. So, Shar. The floor is yours. Please tell us more about your museum and what uh, happens when we walk in the door. Oh, I, I just can't describe it. I mean, you have to see it. And even people who read about us on the Internet, which we do have a, a great face, uh, Internet page and Facebook, like us on Facebook. Oh, that was a little plug, wasn't it? Yes. But, um, you know, it, they're just like, I had no clue. I, you know, I had, I could, I'm just in awe of all the, the stuff that you have and the beautiful automobiles. You know, we have a magnificent car, which you'll see no place else, uh, a Holmes. Arthur Holmes built this car, but interestingly enough, if you've never heard of Arthur Holmes, he worked for H.H. H. Franklin out of Syracuse uh, for seven years as his chief engineer, and he built an air-cooled car, obviously. So he came back to Canton and built this magnificent uh, automobile that's sitting there with some great, rich history. 
um, you know, we've got a, a Packard. And I'm going to use a word I'm probably not allowed to use, but this is what it's called on our on our stanchion where we've got some information. It's called an invalid car. And, of course, children don't know what that means. But it was actually designed with a wheelchair in the back. The back seat is actually the wheelchair where the chauffeur will come, open the door, and wheel the gentleman out. He was actually from Colorado. He uh, was a Colorado rancher and couldn't see his cattle, so he had the car customized. You know, we talk about cars being customized all the time, you know, suited to your needs. It was amazing what they could do with automobiles back in the 30s if you had the money. Oh, yeah. 1937. Yeah. We actually, it, it's a really neat thing. We do have cars on loan, too, so I've got a couple on loan at this moment. I'm looking to get uh, a couple more, hopefully, before the end of uh, summer. But uh, we have Walter P. Chrysler's personal Chrysler Imperial there. It's on loan from the Henry Ford. and They've been gracious enough to give me that car for, for a considerable amount of years now, and oh, you talk about a piece of history. You know, to know that Walter P. was there. His his bum was in the back seat, so you know it's just a it's a great piece of history. Another magnificent car we have. I'm just in awe of this 1916 Pierce Arrow. Oh yes, it has 825 cubic inches. Yes, really, the largest engine ever put into a passenger car. It's just it's a beautiful representation yeah. of that time era. And, you know, like I said, a lot of people have this because we've got a Model T two cars up from that. So you've got this little tiny 1915 Model T, then you go to the 16 Pierce, which is ginormous. And they you know, call it they call it. Isn't it called the Great Pierce, if I remember rightly? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Because I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I saw one being restored in uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Rosenau's uh, restoration shop out in uh, California. Oh boy, okay. ten, fifteen years ago. And yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it's like an Oldsmobile Limited. That the two of those yeah. have to be the two biggest cars in the world. Yeah. Anyway, you go know, ahead. And, Keep and telling then, us. And you know, and we we just. Oh, can can walk across the street and uh, see Marmon, you know, and a lot of people are like Marmon. Who's Marmon? You know, they don't uh-huh. they don't understand how many different representations of automobiles there have been over the years. You know, this is a sixteen cylinder Marmon. So what a magnificent automobile, you know. Uh, and if people don't know about Howard Marmon, you know, his car won the first Indianapolis race in May of nineteen eleven with a six cylinder Wasp. Yes. You know what a what a great uh, contributor to he he was to the automotive industry. You know, his his rear-mounted mirror. You know, prior right. to that, no one had mirrors to, to drive and race, and they had spotters. And now, w- once again, he's gone that next level of, of thinking. You know, people think, I guess, all of these things just happen happen chance. But, you know, we've got all these men who thought these out. These are thought process of what can I do to make life easier? What can I do to life, make things better? What can I do to make racing, you know, quicker? Um, and then, as I said, we go in the back. You know, cute little thing. We've got a car that, that kids really love. We have a 57 BMW Isetta. You know, wow. if you really don't think that's the car, you know, smart cars. You know, my theory is there's no such thing as a new idea. There are technological advances, but new ideas, we have smart cars now, but look at that little BMW Isetta, you know, triangular chassis. Ours does have four wheels, but, um, you know, gets an enormous amount to the gallon, probably about 70 miles to the gallon. Yes. So wow. just a, a great car that, you know, people look at like, seriously, is that a car? You know, because it's such an odd thing. So... You know, everywhere you look, you're going to see something unique, um, maybe things that you don't see in other car museums. And a lot of our cars are museum pieces. We've got a couple that I, I, you know, are very, very well. But they look like cars. You know, they look, they've got that feel of somebody drove that automobile. I wonder who owned that. wonder who drove that car last. You mm-hmm. know, wonder who owned that car and where they went in it. And that's, that's what I think is the beauty of that. Where has that car been? You know, what kind of stories have there uh, been in that automobile, you know, whose baby came home from the hospital in it, you know, whose first date was in the car, 
So when you walk in our museum and at the very end of our museum, we actually have a video running of the Lincoln Highway, which I told you I'm very passionate about. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, people are in awe. Even people who live on the Lincoln don't know it's the Lincoln. They're like, seriously? Yeah. So I think that's something that, uh, that I want to be out there for everyone to know. And then our gift shop. Great T-shirts, funny T-shirts. We have contests. Our my employees and I have contests who can make the funniest things. And mine, of course, says, "I'm not speeding. I'm qualifying." <laughs> I love it. Oh. Yeah, and my other favorite one is "We'll talk cars with anyone." Yeah, I, I wear that one quite a bit. Oh. Uh, and the other one, of course, you've seen over, over, and over. But we do sell one that says "Still plays with cars." Yes. Uh, but uh, one of my other curators, his little saying is "Classy chastity," and that's that's the ladies love that. Uh, you know, and of course, we try to keep the, the toys for the kids, and and you know the, all all the stuff that we can get uh, car oriented for kids books. Books, uh, you know, the industry. Sure. Uh, um, do you have do, do you have the book on the Lincoln Highway, the history of the Lincoln? We do, and and to give a little plug, the Lincoln Highway Trading Post, uh, which is a, an online website to purchase things from the Lincoln Highway, is right down the street from me. So uh, I carry uh, some of his stuff that he has down the street. So, yes, the Lincoln Highway book has always been a big seller. There's quite a few books that are on the Lincoln that have been written about the yes. Lincoln. Yes. Sure, a minute ago you said something, and, and again, it struck a bell, but the, the cars, the automobile industry is an evolution, and this is what kids have to understand. Uh, you were talking about the, the evolution of uh, of a mirror how simple can you get as a rear view mirror and yet today now we have cameras that help you back okay. up and, it, and mm-hmm. you know you have a, a screen there on your dashboard that shows the uh, tricycle you're about to run over and right. you know it, it, it's such, and the, the we'd have never made it to the moon without the auto industry and well, people, right. how about World War II oh the right. arsenal right. of well, democracy and, and on that note uh, you know, speaking of that, I mean, you talk. People don't even realize the history involved. The, the gentleman that founded our our museum, the the Monnet and Soccer, George Monnet, actually in 1917 designed and built something called a hydrocar. Now, I'm sure you gentlemen are familiar with the ducks from World War II. Sure. But in 1917, he designed a boat car, an amphibious car, right in the building I'm at. Wow. You talk about ahead of your time. Driving sure. was a relatively new concept. You know, there weren't a lot of automobiles. I don't know what the percentage of automobiles per, per person were uh, in the United States, but it was a relatively new concept. And he designed something that if he was not driving, he went right off the boat dock into the water. And he actually took it to D.C. He took it to Washington to sell it. And they said, you are a genius. We can't even comprehend the concept of this, except that World War One thing probably is going to be ending. So good luck with that car. But sure. think about that in my building. Yes. Yes, you know, uh, it's, and, it's and I think fabulous. I think if history were taught to, to show the evolution, like you said, that's that's huge. Not to say well, look, this is what we have today, but look, this is where we started. Yes, and that's where the history and that's where the interest comes in. Um, you know, if I could teach everybody, not just children, I'm not. It's not exclusive to children. You know, I get non-car people in. You know, who actually think those are just hood ornaments. You know, and then when I unscrew them to show them that no, this is where you fill the radio, they're like, oh, water goes there. You know, they're in awe. You know, and, and I'm not being condescending, but people don't. And if you're not a car enthusiast, people think you have to have the passion that I have. I think sometimes to be a car enthusiast, and you don't. You have to have an interest, and that's history. You know, and uh, exactly that's, that's where I hope people uh, want to learn the history of not just the automobile, but where the automobile started and where it's taken us. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing. Electric cars, steam cars, uh, yeah. hybrids. I mean, Baker Electric. We had a Roush and Lang, you know, built in Cleveland, Ohio. Sure. In our museum, you know, um, 
know, white steam, Cleveland, Ohio. I'm sorry, I'm plugging Ohio, but we had 542 cars built in Ohio. Yeah. Seven of them were built in Canton. And, you know, we could go to, to Georgia, we could go to any state. Uh, I don't think people realize how many cars, yeah. uh, automobiles were built in, in their cities even, you know. Um, I, I, I just one other question. Uh-huh. Sure. How many car museums are there in Ohio? I know there's the one up in um, the Crawford uh, Museum up in the Cleveland. Crawford in Cleveland. Yeah. In Cleveland at the historical, yes. And yeah. we have uh, the Packard in Warren, Ohio. Right, right. And, so, my, and myself. And, oh, I'm going to be shot if I don't remember all of them. I'll be candid well, with you. Right now, I'm. it escapes yeah. me. I mean, if you go to our, I belong, as you may, might, may have stated, to NAM, the yes, National Association right. of Automobile Museums. Which anyone can hit that website, and it's and it's uh, actually uh, you can hit on museums and find in every state the museums that are a part of this conference. Yeah. So uh, this membership. So and that's a great tool for people. They can hit on those and then click on the. Uh, they can travel. In fact, I've sent people traveling the whole country just through the NAM website. Yes. So yeah. anyone that's interested in car museums and automobile museums, um, do go to NAM. The acronym uh, stands for National Association of Automobile Museums. And most of us belong to that, and then it's regionalized by state. And, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we're not we don't all belong. You know, a lot of the museums don't belong, but that'll give you a good uh, a good idea. Right, um, sure. Right. It's sort of again, you you said something that spurred a thought, and that is you really if, do listen to me, don't you? <laughs> listen, my my wife's done learned me well. You know, I listen to them. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you are a rarity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been beaten so many. No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> You you said something, and and this is something that we talk about, um, and and I, because we are a very conservative radio station, that uh, many times I feel like we're we're preaching to the choir. And you just said uh, people interested in classic cars. Well, I want to go one step further. I want to I want to get the people that aren't necessarily interested, but could be made interested. And how do we how do we get to these people that? Uh, don't know that they should be interested in classic cars. Well, you have to find their hot button, and, and cars may not be, because, and a lot of females, because they think it's a male-dominated industry still to this point. You have to find something, like, I'll talk about flower vases in cars. And our museum, fortunately for us, we can sell as Ohio's greatest antique memorabilia and nostalgia museum um, so much more than cars is my tagline. And that in itself will pique interest. Like, ooh, I might be able to see something other than an automobile. But once they get in, they're like in awe. They are truly in awe of that. So, you know, if you, like the flower vases, as I started to say, you know, women are like, seriously, there were flower vases in cars? I go, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talk, uh, you know, you can go beyond that. Why? You know, we didn't have perfumes, you know, uh, live soaps, no air conditioning, mohair seats, you know, things like that, and help with the smell. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't just for pretty. It, it was an air freshener. <laughs> and so you, you trigger points. Um, actually, I had an elderly couple about 25 years ago. That's what she said. Honey, I'll tell you. I said, always oh, made your car look pretty. She said, let me tell you the real reason. My husband didn't know what deodorant was, and it sure helped with the smell. So, uh, that was <laughs> sure. I, I hate to do this. We're going to have to let people think about that until we get you back okay. on. Yeah. And I uh, want to thank you for being on the Classic Car Show oh, again. My thank pleasure. you. Yeah. And uh, if you don't mind holding on, I, I want to talk to you about something right quick. Okay. So, and give we'll, a plug that we're open. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Char. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Happy motoring. <laughs> thank You're you. listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.